Welcome back to another segment of Flip the Script. This is a segment where I'll share different conversations and experiences from previous guests and myself about times when our plans didn't go according to plan and we had to flip the script and move in a different direction. This week, we go back to episode 92 with my former track and field coach, Stuart McMillan. Stu is one of the greatest minds that I've ever came across, not just about biomechanics in sports, but as a whole, how he looks at problems and how he handles the problems and finds solution towards those problems was something I always admired about him. I mean, Stu is attached to a lot of Olympic medalists, both in summer sports and winter sports, and he is currently the CEO of Altus. In this short segment, Stu shares a story about how he was planning to step away from speed and sprint coaching, but found his way back and took a leap of faith fully into coaching, and it ended up being the thing that he said changed his life. But hey, before we get into it, if you could do me a huge favor, it would take less than five minutes of your time. Head to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review of the show. This small act goes a long way in moving the podcast forward and would be greatly, greatly appreciated. If you could do that for me, I'd really appreciate it. It takes less than five minutes. So with all that being said, enjoy part two of Flip the Script with Stuart Macmillan. Um, you know, Canada in that time is a was a lot different than it is now. There's certain things that you probably couldn't do, probably tried to do, but it was new, it was different, and they probably weren't really uh probably facing a lot of resistance in that sense. Walk me through about about that 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 stage. Yeah, that's that's a really good way to put it. There's a lot of resistance to what I was trying to do. And you know, you can only take so much resistance for so long before it starts really grinding on you, you know, like really gnawing at you and at your, your being, you know, so you just, you ask, you begin to ask these questions of why am I bothering? Mm. And, and it's just yeah. every corner you turn, there's another wall in front of you and you turn another corner, there's another wall and another one. And it just feels like you're just banging your head up against this wall at every single turn. And it's, as I said earlier, you know, when I met Dan in 1995, that became my lighthouse. I know that that's what I wanted to be. This is how I wanted to do it. So he gave me this understanding of what it meant to be an elite coach. And then I spent the next 15 or 20 years trying to become that elite coach in a system that wasn't really ready for it, within a body, me, that wasn't really ready to fight that system in a way that which it was um, effective. Mm. So all, all I did was I just kept on banging up against that wall. You don't, you don't create change just by hammering against that wall all the time, right? Sometimes you have to go around the wall, over the wall, under the wall, whatever it is. But banging up against the wall and just arguing with people all the time is not the way to do it. Um, and it took me a long time to figure, out, figure that out. But, you know, in as you said, as you quite rightly said, Canada just wasn't in a system at that point where it was ready to change the way in which we thought about sport and mm. performance. And there was a few of us that kind of knew what we wanted to do, but we were existing within a system that weren't, wasn't really allowing for it. There was too many constraints around it. And I feel like just over the course of time, this just became overly frustrating 
for me. Mm. And I said, I can't do this anymore. You know, I've been trying this now for a while. I'm not really making any money at this. Um, I really like it, but I just, the frustrations just became overwhelming, overbearing to the point where I started thinking about what else can I do? What else am I interested in? What else can I see myself doing for the next 30 or 40 years of my life? And at that point, it was either I was going to start a tea shop hmm. or I was going to do something in food. So I was either actually going to open up like a tea shop and sell tea because I really like tea. And, and, and it wasn't just a tea shop, but it was going to be like a record shop, a bookshop, and a little lounge, or maybe a little coffee shop in the morning or whatever revolved around this little tea shop and i felt like i could make this little community out of that in calgary and i thought and i could see myself doing this now for the next 30 40 years of my life just having this little small business hanging out in the corner playing records reading <laughs> reading books maybe serving some tea you know and it's i simple you know, life. And it simple got to the point where <laughs> yeah it was a simple life and i put together this business plan around this man i, I this is i could do this and then the other the other option was to work in food because i really enjoyed sort of understanding more and more about food. And that's actually what I did. So I met these people that were starting a company in Calgary called Brick Lane, which was an organic food market uh, that's still there to this yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Different Brick Lanes now in Calgary. And I was, I was one of their very first employees. And I, I, uh, I became a full-time employee with Brick Lane uh, as their produce manager and produce purchaser. And through that, you know, you get to understand more about farming and more about sustainable uh, agriculture. And I got to know, know farmers and understand their different challenges and understand that entire ecosystem. And that was really fun for me. And I, I, and I was doing that and just coaching part time because I had a small group of athletes that I was coaching up until the Vancouver Olympic Games. And after Vancouver, I was going to be done. That was it. I was going to go full time into food. I was just coaching Kaylee and Steve Messler and, you know, Steve Holcomb uh, and a few others and, and, and Les Ellis Brown. And that was it. That was it. I was going to do, you know, three hours of coaching a day and then be done. And then, as I said, we, we met in, in 08. And I remember it was 08 because I left in March of 2010. And I remember we worked together in high school for two years. So it was 08 and 09. And that, as I said, it sort of reignited my passion for coaching speed at its really you know, at the real peak of it, you know, not just speed as part of something else, but all right, I really want to get into track and field, not just speed as part of something. And this is what I saw with Akeem. And then, you know, you, you know, I don't know what, how, how fast you ran in that first year, it was 1049 or 1050 or whatever it was. And it's, it's, but it said, all right, yeah, this guy's really good. He's really improving. The next year he proved some more. I said, all right, this is what I want to do. And that's when uh, I reached out to Dan and I said, I understood that Dan was going over to the UK. So I called him up and said, Dan, I know you're going to the UK. You've got any, any gigs over there? Cause I'm sick of Calgary. I want to get out of here or something different. And he says, yeah. yeah, I'd love to have an assistant. I'd love to have some help over here. So I flew over there in, in September of 2009 and, and interviewed to be Dan Pass assistant coach. Uh, I got the, uh, I got the job and, uh, the Olympic Games finished on the last day of February in 2010, and I was on a plane the day after and moved to London. And that, uh, you know, that, that literally changed my life. So it was, um, yeah, that's the story.